In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hey, Broads and Books listeners. Guess what? We're coming to you live on March 27th. That's right. We are kicking off the Des Moines Book Festival with a live virtual episode. And that means since it's virtual, you can attend from anywhere. Literally anywhere. So come see us talk about the amazing headliners at the Book Fest and their books. They've got a killer lineup over four weeks, including Tayari Jones, Taylor Jenkins-Reed, Chuck Klosterman, and Laura Prescott, along with terrific workshops, talks, and events. At our live event, you'll also get some of our favorite stories. And, I mean, most likely some weird tangents. I mean, that's what we do. That is what we do. It'd be disappointing if we didn't. Plus, do you have a reading question? A challenge for us, perhaps? Email us your question by March 25th, and we could answer live. So... Start the Des Moines Book Fest off with a laugh and a sneak peek at the keynote authors and events at this live podcast event. And remember, this is virtual. So go ahead and wear those pajamas Please and sweatpants. Bring a coffee and join us online. Remember, visit broadsandbooks.com to register and we'll see you soon. Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 85, If the World Was Ending. I really like this song. Okay. It's new. Yeah. You were. Oh, for sure. Okay. Like when you sent it, I had no idea what it was. Okay. But then once I started listening to it, it's like all over social media. Yes. There's like all sorts of like TikToks and stuff. And, oh, is it? Know, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I just heard it somewhere and I don't, I don't even know if... I've seen a TikTok outside of like on a screen by someone else. I was going to say, that made me sound way more hip than I am. I I was impressed. No, no, I do not have TikTok. I was seeing it like on Instagram and stuff, you know, like the the older people uh, engines of um, someone was posting. Just so you're aware that I am aware that I am not TikTok. Okay, that makes me feel better. This is the song by (laughs) J.P. Sachs and Julia Michaels, in case you couldn't tell, by our covering up our social inadequacies. (laughs) 
with explanations Listen, I'm about comfortable non-TikTok with my activity. social media status. Yeah, I'm fine. I don't need any There's of the other things. There's never been a moment that I thought I should figure out TikTok. No. There's always been a moment where I'm like, no. It seems way too complicated. No. And it I don't seems have the energy like a lot of activity. Like people are dancing yes. a lot. I don't know. No one wants to see that. No me. one's going to see this happen. Well, the first time that I heard this song, it kind of got me just from the... I mean, I like the kind of hauntingness of it, but also the the idea, these words that... It's, it's a great idea for a theme. Yes. Because we can go like full on dystopia route. Yes. Or we can go like end of a relationship. Yeah. The, the idea of the end of the world. Yes. yes. Something that feels like the end of the world. Love it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a great pick. Mm-hmm. But I think before we ask questions, I think there's two things that we need to point out that oh, okay. have been great this week. Oh, let's hear it. In addition to this song and our lack of social media... <laughs> acumen or admitting that we're not hip right. in any way yeah. well and that that's not even we really were. a word that people use anymore yeah. so yeah all right if you were tuning in because you thought oh, we were boy. hip i am sorry to say you were disappointed in like episode three so i don't know why you hung in this long thinking it was going to turn around nope it's 85 and we're still the same. still not hip we're still the <laughs> see that's where my yeah, mind that wasn't went. that wasn't hip mm-hmm. no no Mm-mm. So first thing that happened this week hmm. that I'm personally excited about, mm. and I think that if you're a listener and or reader, yeah. which I would guess a lot of people are. I, I would say that's our target demographic. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And readers. People who listen to us are our targets. Target. <laughs> <laughs> and who like books. That's, also our target. Yes. So I would guess that a lot of those people also use Goodreads. This is true. And guess what happened on Goodreads this week? I know what happened, but you go ahead and say it. Amy's book is on Goodreads. I am too legit to quit. I'm going to tell you that legit. right now. You can add it to your want to read. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. In fact, we're going to give you a 10 seconds right now to do it. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen that's important. Just nope. get on Goodreads. Just get on Goodreads. Okay, you should go be there. Maybe it's taking your phone a little bit. Oh, and if you don't remember what it is, the name is Dig Me Out. Yes. My name is Amy Lee Lillard. Yes. I do that full name because there's another Amy Lillard that writes um, other stuff that is not what I write. (laughs) If you like rabbit holes, that's one. Go on a rabbit hole. Yes. So you should mark that as one to read. So that's number one of my favorite thing this week. Yeah. My second favorite thing that happened this week Hmm. is that Big Acai decided to reopen on Sundays. And we so just we had are it. hopped up on Big Acai. You would think I did lines of coke in the bathroom, <laughs> but it's just pure, natural acai coursing through my veins. <laughs> so expect today is going to be a wild ride. Wild. We're coming in hot again. That's how hip we are. We're <laughs> high on acai. So that's the wild lives we lead. That's you cool. forgot about one other thing, though. What? News came out. Des Moines Book Festival. Oh. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow, I really They come out with their schedule lead. and guess what, listeners? We are on that schedule. We're on it. We We're in kicking fact it are off. kicking it off. We are kicking it off. I feel like I'm really close to the microphone. Like I I'm really too. excited. Does it, does it sound really loud, <laughs> listeners, that we're kicking it off? We're kicking it off. We're so, kicking it off. Yeah. Now we're definitely like yeah. the NPR ladies. I like to kick. <laughs> I like to kick things off. I'm 50. <laughs> and I kick. But really. Anyway, that tangent aside. Yeah, yeah. we are at the Des Moines mm-hmm. Book Festival. So mark that on your calendar. And March it's a 27th. virtual event. Yes. So you can chill with a cup of coffee and enjoy us. And no matter where you live. No even matter Even if you're where. not in Des Moines, Iowa. Exactly. You don't have to travel. Nope. 
It's going to be great. And there's a whole bunch of excellent people at the Book Fest. Yes. So definitely mark that on your calendar. You need to go to the website. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Register for all the events that sound great to Mm -hmm. you. It's going to be a good time. And you're going to get to see us. Yeah. You're going to get to see our faces, which I don't know if I'm ready for that, Erin. Are you ready for people to see our faces? No. It doesn't yeah. feel great. It doesn't that feel good. I'm really excited, but I'm also terrified. I'm so terrified. Mm-hmm. I just think I'm going to have gastrointestinal distress for the next month. Is that natural to say? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think yeah. that, that, one, helps our hip factor a lot. <laughs> and two, it's honest. And that's what you get with us. It's just You honesty. get a lot of honesty. Mm-hmm. Maybe not such hipness. As you might want. No. No. But that's where we're at in our lives. You know what? If you're coming to me for hipness, I'm going to say that you're not hip. Because <laughs> you should know point. better. So this is on you, really. Yeah, really. Oh, my Get gosh. better podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We're the best. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Aaron, for the theme yes. this week, yeah, yeah. question mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Speaking of the world ending, mm-hmm. which is our mm-hmm. theme, mm-hmm. there have been a lot of books, mm-hmm. a lot of movies mm-hmm. about the idea of knowing when you're going to die, knowing yeah. when your world is ending. Is that something you want to know when you're going to die? Dear God, no. <laughs> I I can't even imagine what my anxiety no, would be it like. would be so terrible. I mean, at first, in theory, this doesn't sound bad. Like, mm-hmm. you would know, so you wouldn't have to, like, worry about it or think whatever. And I'm thinking maybe later in life that would be a benefit, maybe. But Man. now, I, can't, I couldn't. No. Plus, I feel like everyone around me would just despise me. Because every time something came up, I'd be like, well, that's fine. I won't be here. But. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, my God. You could start, like, a countdown for your family. Like, listen, you're only going to see me yeah. for 10 more years. Exactly. So treat me better. Yeah. Or then, you know, I'd just be crying about everything. Like, they'd be like, hey, we're going to do this and whatever. And I'd be like, I, I can't. Mm-hmm. It would, No. Mm-hmm. It'd be terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would, I don't think I, I think both of our minds, if we knew when we were going to die, we wouldn't be able to think of anything else. Yes. So that rest of our time would just be wasted yeah. in anxiety. It would be. Yeah. I just wouldn't be able to, to live. Would you want to know how you're going to die? I don't know. I don't because I don't want it to be an embarrassing way of dying. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to like, you know. Because then you would have to be embarrassed. But yeah. if you die, you didn't never know you were embarrassed. Yeah. yeah I don't want point. to choke on something oh. while the cats watch. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch and see what happens. Yeah, that's dark. <laughs> yeah. Or I don't want to like trip on the ice. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to fall down the stairs like we've done a few times. I don't want to get like caught the wrong way in an escalator and people are oh, like, God, oh, no. why is that happening? No. Oh my God. Who know that could be that terrible. I don't want to be caught in an elevator door and the elevator malfunctions. and oh, like, yeah. No, 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 no. I don't want to be like in a road raid incident where someone just <laughs> shoots me. No. Because I cut them off or something. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrifying. Don't worry, though. We're going to keep eating big acai, so we're never going to die. We're, never- we're going <laughs> we're we're to live die. forever. in all our scenarios, big acai <laughs> would help, I think. Fully. Fully. <laughs> well, okay, so end of the world. Sometimes this gets portrayed as like other people taking over the world. Yes. Or other life forms. Yes. If one of the podcasts oh, no. was going to take over the world and be our leader, <laughs> which one would you like it to be? Oh, God. I, I will say this is a terrifying thought, and it should be for all of you yeah. as well. 
I'm going to immediately disqualify Ziggy. There is no way in hell we want him leading us. No. Um, he is a, a, a very beautiful young boy, but he is dumb. And he also, I think, is a narcissist. So he would be a dictator. Yeah, we don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that. I feel like he could be trigger happy, too, <laughs> without really thinking about the consequences. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it would not be good. Okay, I agree. Mm-hmm. Louise. Okay. I also say no, mm. because she's too snoopy. Like, she watches me with the intensity of like what spies are not supposed to do like (laughs) (laughs) i will catch her staring at me and i'm like ah okay like it's it's unnatural she'll follow me into the bathroom and stare Uh, at me while i'm like uh, i just i feel like she's gonna cross some boundaries okay and and break a lot of laws okay and that leaves thelma Okay. And I think I like the idea of Thelma taking over uh-huh. for a couple reasons. I think she, she just wants love. She just wants attention. Yeah. She's a very, she'd be a benevolent leader. Okay. Um, she has no time for bullshit. That's true. Ziggy getting on her all the time. She says, hell no. no. Also, she's a big lady. She can throw that weight around, yeah. literally. Yes. And she loves her belly. And we should all have a leader. That loves their belly. That glories in their belly. She's also a good teacher because she's mm-hmm. kind of trying to teach Ziggy, like, no, you don't get positive reinforcement when you jump on my back. Mm-hmm. But if you're loving, then I'll give you some exactly. nuggles. Yeah. So if, if that's now, positive as I, reinforcement. Referring again to what I said, he's a dummy. So yeah. he's not picking up on that so much, but she's trying. She's trying. And yeah. her patience is it's nice. It's nice. But so, I also like that she'll lose her shit and tell, get him in place. Her shit. And she has a growl yeah. that is intense. That's, those are also good leader qualities, yeah. though. She's like, you know, remember when Tina Fey said, bitches get shit done? Yes. That is Thelma. Yes. Get it, Thelma. So Thelma will be our leader. Okay. So I'm everyone all, get used to that. I'm okay with that. It's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another situation. Mm-hmm. Let's say the world was taken over by aliens. Yes. Okay. How do you think you would fare? And do you think there's like a certain type of alien that would be better? I personally think that I would fare fine, and here's why. <laughs> Women are uniquely prepared for this situation. We are very We uniquely. know exactly how to conform and exactly how to fit in. Mm-hmm. And we're able to swallow the need to self-preserve yep. and do that more than be right. And I'm, I hate to break this to some people, but I feel like the male species is going to struggle. They're going to struggle hard. Because they're not going to want to admit someone else is right. Nope. And or conform to that. Yeah, they're going to throw weapons at the aliens. Yeah. They're going to storm the Capitol. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of thing. Because they didn't get their way. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that there weren't women involved in that because there were. We've seen it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm and just, we got their eye on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I think, I think no matter what, I could probably just blend. I think that's a great point. I think I could yeah. do it. I think I could do and it. And I'm not going to say I would like it. No. I just, I could do it. I bet the aliens will respect women more mm. because we have the power of giving life. Mm-hmm. We are necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to look past all the patriarchy and be like, those, those humans. They could also be somewhat terrified because they'd be like, okay, this oh, group gosh, of people yeah. that blended so easily actually mm-hmm. holds a lot of power. What is happening? They're taking over from within. Yeah. And then we'll be right back where we are again, where people are afraid of our powers. And so. <laughs> so they have to create the patriarchy again, yeah. but it'll be like the alienarchy. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I'd be okay. I think you would too. Yeah. I think we both. Yeah. I think we'd be all right. Mm-hmm.
we'd hang out. Yeah. And we'd, you know, pretend like everything's fine. We'd be fine. We'd wear our matching and we robes. Would bitch and... behind their backs like yeah. nothing else. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's be careful. <laughs> aliens have ears everywhere. <laughs> That's true. Okay. This we're not All dealing right. with just the normal person anymore. You're right. You're we're right. Dealing with an alien life. We're not dealing with normal men, so we gotta like up our game. Yeah. We're okay. gonna need probably our own language. Oh, we can develop a language. Yeah, easily. There's gotta have a word there's gotta be comeuppance in that language. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that we just make Larry come up and it's kind of this deity that they're unsure Ooh. of when he's coming. And they're like, you're, oh, and Larry you don't even know. Here. It is over. We also got to like, talk about hunk legends and yes. be like, listen, we've got a hunk legend coming too. Yep. And, and they're like, like having meetings and they're like, what, who, what's this Larry come up? I can't find this anywhere in their history. I read all their history books. <laughs> Everything and there's no Larry comeuppance. You're not listening. I googled to the right it. <laughs> I don't know. I even spent hours on TikTok to see if he was on TikTok. Oh no, you're looking in the wrong places, Larry aliens. No, yeah. Larry comeuppance is a feeling that you can't control. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that needs to be the theme song when Larry comeuppance walks in the room. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when you know that you've met Larry Comeuppance, it's too late. <laughs> it is too late. When you know he's there, it's over. It's over now. It's over. It's over. Oh, You're like, boy. oh, that's Larry Come Up. Oh, no. <laughs> Another scenario. Yeah. All these terrible things are happening. We right. need a crisis team. Hell yeah, we do. We do. You're in charge of putting the crisis team together. We need three fictional characters. It can be movies, TV, whatever. Who do you put on your crisis team? First of all, I want to thank you for giving me this responsibility. Yeah, you're welcome. For choosing the crisis team. I feel I, like you're uniquely able to do this. I, I think I am as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first, mm-hmm. we've got Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, good choice. Because Buffy can take on vampires, obviously. Duh. But also any otherworldly element. Anything supernatural. Yeah. Anything even alien. Yeah. Because they're sort of like demons. True. She's got this. Yep. But, yep, yep. you know, for other reasons, too, then we're going to bring in Sydney Bristow from Alias. Oh. Okay. Because Sydney works more in the practical world. She's okay. good at gathering intelligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She is good at uh, disarming men. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is good at getting shit done. Yes. Finally, we've got Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Okay. 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 Um, Starbuck, name's Starbuck? Her name's Starbuck. Her name is Starbuck. I'm sorry. Yes. And Starbuck gives zero fucks. We're going to need that uh, philosophy, that attitude yeah. to bring us through. Like we're, you know, we're going to respect Buffy. We're going to respect Sydney, And then we're going to follow Starbuck and be like, show us, show us the way. Chicken or egg question here. <laughs> Did Starbuck or Starbucks come first? <laughs> it's a good question because I think... The original Battlestar Galactica, I think, came out in 1980-ish, oh, maybe late 70s. So when did Starbucks coffee start? I don't, well, we're going to say 90s, because yeah. that's when anyone really knew about it. Exactly. Because wasn't it something else before that? It was like, some, was it another? Did it have a different name? No, I might be thinking of Panera Bread. Hmm. So it's a good question. I don't know. Maybe they took it from Battlestar Galactica. But that was the original one. I'm thinking about the 2005-ish one. Oh, okay. Okay. Well... And they turned Starbuck into a woman. And imagine how the internet, the Went. fledgling internet at the time, lost their shit. Oh, I bet. But also, what a great, I mean, that's great. It's amazing. And also, I think it's a great pick for a crisis team because yeah. people will be like, oh, we're getting Starbucks. Nope. Nope. We're getting Starbuck. Yeah. And this She's is gonna not going to go you how you think. Yeah. I had an alternate choice as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones, because she's a very tall lady that can use a sword very well. 
And that's just good skills. Whenever you're in a pickle, you can call on Brienne. Yeah. And if there's ever something to be called a pickle, it's definitely (laughs) end of world life ending situation. It's a pickle. It's It's like the the epitome of a pickle. Of a pickle. I am in a pickle. (laughs) I'm thinking of pickles. I don't like pickles. You don't? Oh, I do. Do you? Only dill, though. I don't know what's going on with those sweet ones. That's weird. I think I liked the sweet ones more. Like the little gherkin ones? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't know. Oh, no. It looks like something. (laughs) They don't look right. Like That's troll true. They, they don't look good. <laughs> Sweet troll penises. <laughs> and I don't. I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. Uh, I think that's a good. Yeah, that's a good instinct. I like dill pickles, but I like them either in the sandwich cuts mm-hmm. or like a, a full half. But mm-hmm. I don't really like. I don't. It's hard to eat a pickle without like a knife and fork to not seem like things are getting like the big ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That was a okay. That was an interesting tangent. So that's what we're bringing you, along with Larry Comeuppance, our fictional trio. <laughs> Why we needed to talk about pickles? <laughs> that's where the big Aussie led us. I guess. Today. I guess. I think that you must have a great fiction pick for us. <laughs> Damn, I do. Okay. Good transition. Thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. My book is called The Book of M. By Peng Shepard. And this came out in 2018. Yes. So, Ori and Max are a married couple. And they're hiding out in an abandoned hotel in the woods. And they've been doing this for two years. Because two years ago, at an outdoor market in India, a man's shadow disappears. It's super creepy. And it's caught on camera. But it's mostly an oddity until it starts spreading. Other people start losing their shadows. And if that isn't creepy enough, the people whose shadows disappear, they start forgetting things. Like one by one, the worst kind of dementia until they're just completely gone. Oh my gosh. So Ori and Max were at a wedding at this hotel when the spread was really starting, like when it hit the U.S., and they say they saw on TV how just the world is collapsing, mm-hmm. like everyone's forgetting things. And then the people that have lost their shadows, they misremember things and the things they misremember become reality. So they start thinking like, oh, yeah, sharks had like full human faces. And, you know, sharks suddenly have human faces, which is terrifying. Is that a real thing in the book? That no, I just human- made that up. But ah, I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. Do they still have all those rows of teeth? Yeah. <laughs> oh I am definitely having nightmares about that. A human face on oh. a shark? Oh, no. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to you guys. <laughs> God, it's terrifying. I don't know why oh, I thought no. of a shark with a mustache immediately, and I hated it. I just hated You're thinking it. of Larry come up and it's a shark. <laughs> it's a shark. <laughs> no. Oh, oh no. Lord. Let me okay. try and get this tr- back on track. <laughs> fair, fair. I'm sorry. I took on a detour there. <laughs> so, Ori and Max are at this hotel, mm-hmm. and when shit's really started to hit the fans. So, and they've been there ever since until and they're they're living okay, you know, they're just kind of living by themselves until one day Max's shadow disappears. Oh no. And Max knows what's coming. So, she runs away so her husband doesn't have to watch the oh. the forgetting. But Ori, he's not ready to let that go. And he's got it in his head. Like, maybe it won't happen, you know, the way that she thinks it will. Like, she's got that hope. He's got that hope, right? Yeah. So she runs off one direction. 
he runs off another. He's setting off to find her and before her memory completely disappears. And that starts these two sort of parallel adventures. And the two of them are making their way out into the world. And then we see what the world has come to. They find how there's roaming bandits without any memories. Mm -hmm. They find that D.C., Washington, D.C. has collapsed into this really weird feudal type city with this weird war going on. They see all these rumors from person to person about a group in the South that may hold a cure. And of course, Aaron, there's a cult. One that worships the shadowless. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a culty cult. It's a real good cult. It's a really good cult. It's a real good cult. It's a cult cult on the whole cult level. Okay. (laughs) This, I, I gotta say, this is amazing apocalyptic fiction. If you like this kind of stuff, this is above and beyond. Yeah. It's intensely imagined it's beautifully written but i chose it for this theme for a few other reasons too while there is this sense of the world ending i think that the idea of losing memories is even more devastating like your entire world is your memories you know there's the external world which max and ori are trying to hide from but there's also this internal world the one that they've created as lovers and spouses you know right and if one of them loses their memories that shatters that world they've created Then, when Max leaves, trying to spare Ori from the pain, there's another world ending because Ori isn't ready. Like, he doesn't want to, you know, say goodbye to that. So as they get out into the world and they pursue this idea that maybe there is a cure, everything seems on the verge of breaking. Like I said, this is just incredible. This is one of those that I got at the library and then immediately had to buy because I just tore through it. I loved it so much. I haven't been able to shake a lot of the images and the ending. Holy Holy hell. Oh. She lands it. She lands it. Wow. And good news for all of us. This has been optioned for a show. This is going to be a hell of a show. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it. Wow. So, yeah. And I note she has a new book. It was supposed to come out this year, but I think it got moved because of the pandemic to 2022. Mm. But yeah, check this one out. That sounds amazing. All right. Well, for my fiction pick this week, I went kind of with the idea of thinking your world's ending like personal world enders for sure okay yeah and so this is actually an author that you recommended a few episodes ago lisa cross smith this Mm. is this close to okay yeah which is just published in 2021 this is a story of tally and emmett it's set in kentucky so tally's driving home one night she's a therapist a counselor and she sees this guy on the bridge that's ready to jump and she's like oh goodness like that guy's about to commit suicide so she pulls over and she kind of employs the strategy she knows to just kind of get him talking and then kind of get him into her car basically just to get him away from the bridge and she doesn't really know what her next move is but she just I'll just take him to a coffee shop we'll just keep him talking and then kind of like against her better judgment but also kind of before she really makes a decision she just brings him to her house because she still doesn't feel like he can be on his own and she feels like this sense of of um responsibility mm-hmm. like i got him off the bridge i don't want him to just go back to the bridge and jump off so Oof, that's a that's a risk yeah yeah so they're both like feeling each other out mm-hmm. she's not being up totally up front with him about the fact that she's a therapist he's telling her at first he wouldn't even tell her his name and then it's like she's getting bits and pieces of his life but not the whole thing and she's kind of doing the same kind of like you would do with any new person but there's also this added layer of you know what was happening And he won't talk about that at all. Like he's just shut down on that. So she's doing the therapy thing and trying to come in from a different place. So this night kind of turns into the whole weekend. Like she just, they just keep hanging out together. Happens to be Halloween weekend and her brother throws a big Halloween party every year. So she's like, just come with me. And they 
the whole book is basically them kind of leading up to this the end of this weekend like spending time together talking about things having these really kind of intense conversations and i think that that is the magic of this book is that this whole weekend takes place but it feels like you went through a lifetime with these two Mm -hmm. because you're learning by what they tell each other but what you as the reader know you're learning so much about them about like their button spots and um, the things that they value and you can tell that there's hurt places that you're kind of trying to figure it out and there's so many other layers going on at the same time but I and I read this book really fast like it's a quick read because you're kind of just lost in it it's a weekend and you're like Mm -hmm. okay Um, and it's kind of like dare I say cozy like it feels kind of cozy because yeah. it takes place in the fall and they're like getting coffee and it's there's like that this cozy, cozy element mm-hmm. to it but there's also a sense of danger to it yeah. because you're in this situation that really isn't terribly safe or isn't what like a normal relationship would start out as and a deadline looming yes too. and a yeah. very big deadline so I think that for a couple reasons I love this book because they were both, she was just coming off a divorce. He was obviously at the point that he wanted to commit suicide. They're both in spots in their lives that feel like world ending. Mm -hmm. They don't really know what they're going to do. Him definitely probably more than her, but just in a really tough place. And then kind of because they're in such a tough place, they don't really care. It's almost like their guards down. So they were able to let somebody else in because... They're kind of at such a difficult place, which I think is a lot of that theme Mm -hmm. is what appeals to people is you're kind of stripped to your most raw level in a world changing situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this book right now is super relatable about the levels of quarantine we've gone through and like learning about each other, you know, getting on each other's nerves, being right together. It's just the, you know, a couple of people all close learning new things. Um, But basically I picked just because of this idea that the world's crashing down around them and they found each other Mm -hmm. somehow by whatever reason. And I also liked it for this theme because there's a little bit of hope at the end. It's it's different. It ends very differently than I think you could predict. I am not um, a big romance reader. Neither Mm -hmm. of us are. I would say this had twinges of romance Mm -hmm. in it, um, but enjoyable, like on a level that I enjoyed it. It ends in a very different way than you would expect. There's And there's a lot of other layers in this book, especially in the second half, that are very interesting. And I love the idea that it's not really plot-driven. There's not like a That's huge so bunch nice. of things that happen. Mm-hmm. It's more just these two people being together. And it for me, that was really interesting yeah. on the character level. That's a lot of what I got from her uh, previous book that I mentioned, yeah. too, Whiskey and Ribbons, is... Yeah, it's uh, it, definitely this romantic elements, but it's it's still very grounded in this yeah. real and sort of dangerous and, you know, end of the world kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she did a great job of capturing that feeling sometimes we get like in a, maybe in a new relationship or any kind of relationship where you're kind of like hoarding it for yourself and you're not really sharing it with other yeah. people and you're kind of trying to figure out what it means for you before you let other people in. And there's almost a danger to that because you're being vulnerable and you're letting someone in and you're kind of protecting you know, your circle from any information about it. And I like how she kind of took that concept yeah. and it's kind of on a like supercharged next level. Hmm. Man, she knows how to do intense conversations, judging yes. from what you said and from what I read. Yeah. And just the the ways that conversations can reveal 
the things you say versus the things you don't say are just yes. as revealing. Yeah. And she is very good at writing those. I mean, they mm. they feel very realistic. Like yeah. sometimes you can run across intense conversations that feel too, For like sure. this would not go down like yeah. this. There's no way. But these are, it's very realistic and you just feel like you're there. And Yeah. It sounds very cinematic too. As yes. you were talking about it. I could see that being a very intense yes. and lovely movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. I could see that very easily. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, Lisa Cross-Smith. We got a plan for you. Yeah, so get to it. I'm we sure. have no uh, help to offer. No way to make that happen, that. but you should do it. <laughs> you should do it. You should totally do it. Just make it a movie. It. Just make a movie. <laughs> Come on. Just make it already. Well, for other genre picks. Yes. I've got another kind of what you said, you know, uh, world ending in not a physical way and not a, you know, in right. a much more mental way. Um, it's called Abandon Me by Melissa Phoebos mm. from 2017. And oh, so many of okay. our authors that we've talked to have praised Melissa Phoebos yes, to the heavens. I was so say, so okay. I finally dove in Good and I read this one first. She had a previous memoir, I think in 2012, which I'm going to get into next. And then she has a new book coming out, I believe, the end of March. Yeah. Girl, and, yeah. Girlhood. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And, and I'm a fan, so I'm going to oh, read good. all okay. the rest. Yeah. Um, this is a, a collection of essays, I think you would say, that form sort of a bigger memoir. And it's all centered around a couple things. There's a very intense, long-distance relationship that she forms with a married woman. And it's this all-consuming love and desire that quickly turns toxic, but which she can't quite extricate herself Mm. from. And it's a relationship that gets her thinking about other relationships in her life, especially her dad's. Mm. She grew up the daughter of a sea captain in Cape Cod, which was still a thing. (laughs) Wow. And and she even says in the book, like, when she tells people that, people are like, wait, wait, what? Like, that's a a thing. That's still a thing? Yes. Okay. He was a sea captain. And she discovered early, though, that the the sea captain is not actually her birth father. Oh, okay. So her birth father is uh, a Native American, and he leaves this daughter this very conflicted, confusing heritage, while the sea captain is Puerto Rican with another complicated backstory. So she's got all these uh, things in the background that are sort of guiding her to where she's going to be. She thinks a lot about, like, what does she owe her birth father, Mm. you know, and what does she expect from him? And what about her adopted father? And how is that different? You know, and also, how does that affect the way that drugs and mental illness manifest in her family? Because she was addicted to heroin for a long time and worked as a dominatrix while she was uh, an addict in New York. And I think that's the subject of the first memoir, Whip yeah. Smart, which is what I'm okay. going to get to gotcha. next. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. So altogether, you know, the idea of this long distance relationship she's involved in, her dad's, her family overall the the book really talks about abandonment mm. um, the idea that both of her fathers leave uh, her birth father left permanently her adopted father keeps leaving like he goes on his ship for months yeah. at a time uh. and so as a young kid it's very sort of traumatic to mm-hmm. see her dad go away and just not have him be around for mm-hmm. so long you know um it also talks about what it means to abandon a lover or when you're in a relationship to abandon yourself mm. and when you know when is it when can you decide that's happened? Like, when have you hit the point where you're like, oh, no, I got to get out of here or myself is gone? Yeah. You know? um, I chose it for this theme because I think it's full of world ending mm-hmm. moments. And and what do you do with that? You know, I think in the story of her love affair, there's this constant fear of abandonment and the feeling that the world will end. Like she is constantly walking on eggshells because she's so afraid that the lover is going to leave her and 
the the thought that she has constantly is if the lover lover leads her she there's just nothing else you know yeah. it's this utter fear of just like annihilation right. after that that's how deep she is and then she she can still kind of put her head above water long enough to be like is this a sustainable feeling like is this love really or is this obsession you know like where right. do i draw the lines and that love story has her reassess her father relationships, her brother, her own relationship to drugs and addiction, um, all this life-changing stuff. And along the way, she even meets her biological family, which is a very interesting uh, dynamic. Yeah. Um, I, this is a beautiful book. The, you know, the, the content and the context is lovely, but the way she writes it is incredible. And I really understand now why so many of our authors have praised her just to, yeah. to yeah. And like I said, I'm going to dig into her first memoir. And her next book is called Girlhood, and it's out at the end of March. I also found out that Melissa Phoebos is now an Iowan. What? She and her partner are professors at the University of Iowa. Whoa. And that proximity, Aaron, it feels good. I got to tell you that. <laughs> I know there's a chance mm -hmm. that Melissa Phoebos may listen to this. And she'll be like, oh, oh, it was fine until the moment she said the proximity feels good. But I, I have to be honest with our listeners. No, it feels yep. good. Honesty's we the best can claim her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we can claim Melissa Phoebos. Okay. Okay. She's only an hour and a half away, Erin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Iowa City has a has a storied history for me. It, it really does. So I'm afraid to say that I want to go there to meet an author mm. because the last time I did that didn't go well. But That's a good point. But. Maybe she'd be the one to break the spell. Maybe she would. Maybe you wouldn't have constant dry heaving. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> well, that sounds great. I know. We've heard that. I, as soon as she yes. said, I'm like, we've heard that name a bunch. So many times. And so I finally just decided to add all of her books at the library. Yeah. And then... And, and Girlhood's getting a ton of advanced yes. praise and press. And so I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah. I think just the way that she writes about... Um, being a a woman in the world, mm -hmm. along with all the other stuff, of course, though it, it's it's really it's really beautiful. Yeah, there sounds like there's a lot in there to relate to, even if it's not your exact experience, Absolutely. which is a lot harder to do than people oh think. God. You know, yeah. to write that effectively. Yeah, for sure. Well, my other genre pick this week is a, a nonfiction kind of a memoir as well, called "The Secret Life of Dorothy Soames" by Justine Cowan. And this book um, just published in 2021, and it opens and we find out right away that this author has a very difficult relationship with her mother. And to some degree, she also has a very difficult relationship with her father because of that, because uh. the father always kind of covers for it. Mm -hmm. So she was raised that her mother came from royal blood, which is why there was like so many arbitrary rules in their home and kind of like a lack of affection or love. Like th her mom was very proper and like, this is how you do things. And Whoa. she had a bunch of lessons and things when she was growing up. And her dad was a very, very successful lawyer. So they did have money. So they there were certain things that came with that, with this wealth that her mother expected. But basically, as soon as she was old enough, she left the house because the relationship was just not functional, basically. And after she's an adult and living and working on her own, um, her mother sent her an envelope. And essentially, in the envelope is a manuscript of her mother's life. And at the time, their relationship is in such kind of a tough spot that she does, she's not even interested. She's like, I don't really want to deal with you yeah, at all right now. Yeah, I don't right want to now. deal with freaking Like, book I'm in about the middle you. of my life. I'm trying to figure this out. So she wasn't in a place to kind of take that in at all. She puts it in a file cabinet, moves on. It's only after her mother's death that she gets some hints that maybe something isn't what she thought. And she starts to become interested and discovers that her mother grew up as a foundling. 
And a foundling is essentially an abandoned child that grew up in the hospital, which is called the Hospital for the Maintenance and Education of Exposed and Deserted Young Children what in England. The hell? So this was a hospital that um, kind of started out with good intentions, meaning that they took in kids that were orphaned. They also took in kids from women who maybe had affairs with men who didn't oh, want to claim no. the children, and the women's position would be compromised uh-huh. by having this baby. The problem became that as it as it grew, they decided that they were grooming these children to basically be servants of England's royal class. Oh, my God. So she was abandoned and taken to this hospital, and they called them foundlings. So she grew up as a foundling. And... The rest of the story is her trying to unpack all this information, both from her mom's manuscript. She travels to the hospital, which is now sort of a museum, and tries to get records, which weren't great, not kept very well. She you know, does some backtracking to figure out who her biological mother was. There's basically no way to tell who her father was. And in the meantime, she learns all of this history and meets other people that grew up in the hospital. And it is just fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating just the story of her mother, but... I had not heard much about this. No. I think I've heard the word foundling before, but I don't know that I ever really knew what it was. Mm -hmm. And diving into that and diving into what they did at this hospital and how the children felt affected coming out and how much of her mother was based on what happened to her was so interesting. It was also interesting to see how her thoughts about her mother sort of changed based on knowing some of that information. And of course it was, you know, too late. Her mother had passed, but it's a very interesting exploration into relationships and finding out that maybe there's more to this person than you thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And I picked it for this theme because I think it's a great way to show that sometimes lives and hearts are changed by traumatic and life-altering events, that sometimes we learn more about ourselves, kind of in the same way the first book, when you're at your most raw and vulnerable, sometimes that's the most powerful. It's a shame that, you know, her mom didn't share that with her earlier, but it is so interesting and so much fun to read. Good Lord. Yeah. Ziggy is wanting in on this action so yeah. much right We had now. to uh, just stop and restart because he got on the keyboard and oh. decided, nope. And also, yeah, we have cups of water, which are just a no-no. I guess, Good Lord. I guess we can't have water. That's no. a basic human need, Ziggy. <laughs> it's a basic human need. This is why we didn't pick you as a leader. Yeah, this is why. Because people need water. You don't even allow us hydration. What I'm kind of leader are you? It. Or you can scratch my face off. <laughs> He's just going to try and spill it. That's mm-hmm. all. Because mm-hmm. that's the most fun, spilling water. It's Well, yeah. What else is fun to a cat besides that? Mm-hmm. All right. So now we put Ziggy outside the yes, studio. Yes. We'll Gone. see how long this lasts. Mm-hmm. And if there will be uh, a cat throwing itself against the door at some point. Yes. Yeah. We'll tell you if you hear that, just so that you know that one of us isn't <laughs> dying or the something. thumping yeah. is not us. Yes. It's a cat. It is the cat that we chose not to lead us in the apocalypse. For, for good, good reason. reason. Definitely proved it all over the place. My goodness. Right? Yeah. So, pop culture pick. Yes. Guess where this comes from, Erin? I'm going to go HBO Max. Oh, man. Oh, man. So good. We are on trend. We are. And we're still waiting for those sweet, sweet sponsorship dollars. Yeah. Just by putting it out into the universe and, and hoping it manifests. Is like that the secret? Like the like secret. Just, just, is that not well, how it works? Yeah, I think that is. <laughs> I just thought of it and now it's going to happen. Now it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. This is a show called It's a Sin. Oh. So we start in 1981 in England with three young men, 
Richie, who is leaving the rural Isle of Wight for college in London, Colin, who leaves Wales to work at a shop in London, and Roscoe, who leaves his ultra-conservative family who are trying to pray the gay away for London as well. So all three of them, they know they're gay, but they're just starting to be public about it and Mm -hmm. own it. And it's so freeing. It's so exciting. They're out in this world where there's so many beautiful gay men and women and in the city. And it just, it feels wonderful. They all get an apartment together uh, with their girlfriend, Jill. And it seems like this is going to be a fun coming of age story. But then the first cases of the mysterious gay cancer appear in London. And as time goes by and it gains the name AIDS, it casts this enormous specter over the party. So there's five episodes, and it spans over 10 years, from 1981 to 1991. Oh, wow. And we see the boys and Jill uh, first sort of deny AIDS. Like, that isn't a thing. Like, and if it is a thing, we're not going to get it. Like, everyone's overreacting. It's going to be fine. Then start to realize it and to fear it until it affects all of them at some point. So I chose it for this theme because these are 20-something kids just starting to live their lives. And then this absolute world-ending plague is coming for Mm -hmm. them. And we see that some people get it and others don't, um, and how that changes their relationship for good. This is so, this is such a good show. Like, I watched this in its entirety maybe about a week ago, and I think about it all the time. Really? Okay. Yeah. I think there's so much here. There's family love, family trauma. There's friendships. There's conspiracy theories. Mm. There's health scares. There's mortality and how to live well. And it is fun and funny. There are moments of real, like, oh, it's this is so cool. You know, these kids coming together, finding one another, finding their life. Yeah. And then it's utterly devastating moments later. You yeah. know, I, I get chills thinking about it. I have the music stuck in my head because it's 80s music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, And the, sure. the, you know, the title comes from It's a Sin from Pets Shop Boys, which uh-huh. has been in my head nonstop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's a good mm-hmm. song. It needs to leave. Yeah, it's that's been that's It's been fair. long enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also for us women that are watching the show, the character of Jill is fascinating to me. Mm. One, you'll see that she's the one girl sort of in this group of gay men, and she gets pushed into the woman role a lot. The caretaker, the emotional laborer, Uh um, the fake girlfriend for some parents. Sure. But then you put yourself in her position with all these best friends, this circle that are all gay men, and this horrific disease that is targeting her friends. And she, to me, is the real star. There, she has to find a way to keep going. It's happening. Just so you know, <laughs> the cat is trying to break in. It's happening. <laughs> like Those I hear something. Just then, you start looking around, like, "Oh God, oh God!" Ah! The door's creaking, and he's not that big, and he's trying to throw himself and wedge himself oh, through the there door. Is definitely pause. In there's pause. There is. There has been a breach. There's been a breach. There are paws in this room. I knew he would not respect the closed door. Oh, now, there's, now there's... There's a smash face. <laughs> that he then had to pull back out of... It's like, oh, God. Okay, oh, sort of Ziggy. gave up, but I think he's going to Oh, no, go he's going to come back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to psych himself to run into it or something. Um, yeah, I think I just... I highly, highly recommend this show. It sounds great, yeah. There was crying at the end, I will That's admit her. that. That's her. Um, and Jill, like I said to me, is the the real star. And the way that it ends with her in particular is so affecting. So oh. Really good. Okay. Watch it. I will. Uh, well, my pick, HBO Max. Oh. 
Yeah. I mean, imagine that. Right? It's called The Lady in the Dale. <gasps> I have this in my list. Oh, it's so good. So okay. it's a documentary. I think it's four episodes. Um, and this tells the story of Liz Carmichael, who is previously known as Jerry Dean Michael. So he's basically a longtime con man that later in his adult life identifies as transgender. He says, no, I'm a woman. I should have been a woman. Um, And he has a partial surgery, but isn't able to complete it because he's on the run, basically. Oh, my gosh. In his younger life, he was a full con man. I mean, he was doing like there's no doubt he was a criminal. And he ends up by some stroke of luck after having multiple marriages and multiple kids that he has nothing to do with. Oh, my God. He finds this woman, Vivian. And they are like soulmates. Like, she's just in with him. Like, it is what it is. They have children together. In the series, her brother is interviewed quite a bit. And he's like, I I loved this guy. Like, he was just, like, he meant the world to us. So you get this kind of other side of him. So he goes on the run with Vivian. We don't see him for a long time. Mm -hmm. Until he crops up as Liz Carmichael. And Liz Carmichael is about to change the car industry forever. She has uh, found this design that a guy designed for a three-wheeled car that's made out of basically like much lighter metal. It's supposed to be get like 70 or 80 gallon uh, miles to the gallon oh like crazy. So she's like, this is going to change the environment. It's going to change everything. These big car companies aren't going to be able to charge us like they are. So she's like this pioneer. So of course, this gets tons of attention. And tons of investors because they want to be in on the cutting edge of this car. And she's going to make it. And people people are buying options for the car. They're putting money oh, down. Boy. All of these things. And then it comes out that, like, there's no car. Like, it's not as far in production. Oh. Things are falling through the cracks. And it's sort of reminiscent of Bad Blood with the yeah. Thanos where you're not like sure. Like Con Woman. Yeah. yeah. If she fully believed that there was a car. Because oh. there's a lot to say that she did. Or if she kind of knew this was a house of cards. Either way, what becomes the big takeaway is that people think that she was dressing as a woman just to be a con artist. Oh, my God. So they're trying to kind of strip this away. Because she goes on the run again after everything blows up. And she ends up getting caught and they put her on trial. And the whole trial, she is dressed as a woman. That's how she identifies. Uh, They put her in men's prisons even though they put her in solitary confinement. There's all these terrible things that are happening. And the whole time, her wife Vivian is standing by her. Mm -hmm. Because when she first came out as a woman, they had some separation time. And then they just realized, like, they just love each other. Even if there isn't a romantic passion Mm -hmm. anymore, they really operated kind of like best friends or sisters. They were still raising the kids. That's amazing. They just really, yeah, cared for one another. So... Um, she's trying to fight this battle and the battle sort of becomes about whether or not she's doing the con of being a woman more than it has anything to do with the fraud from the cars. So it takes on this whole different thing. Like, let's forget about the crime and just have a big old moral panic right over here. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you're conflicted as the viewer because you're so frustrated about that part. But you're also like, well, he... He did commit a bunch of crimes mm-hmm. earlier on that he never paid any time for. And in this case, he was told by the securities, she was told by the securities commission to stop selling options to the car. They kept doing it. Okay. But there's some questions about how much she knew. There's so many things. Interesting. So you're kind of like, you, you can almost separate it. You know, you're trying yeah. to figure it out. But anyway, they... The ending is amazing. There's this guy, this reporter that you'll hate if you're anything like me, that was like just had it out for her. Like he just, 
he's basically the one that outed her. Like he met her and thought, <sighs> oh, and basically he thought there was something wrong because it was a woman in charge of a car factory. Oh, and so great. he went sniffing, and then he, in this case, he found something that he could really. Ugh, mediocre man syndrome. Yes. And again. You know, at first there is a story there that obviously media would be interested in. He went on to do like 47 or 48 news segments about her to Ah. the point that the news station was like, okay, we're done. Like, it's over. We don't want to talk about it. So obsessed and like Mm -hmm. grossly obsessed. And then in his quest, he ended up outing other transgender people that had moved to have like a different life. It is insane. And the end part. With him, I don't want to ruin it for you because the shocking moment of it is just, you're like, of course. How did I not see that coming? Oh. But you'll, yeah. And, but the whole thing is just, it's so interesting from so many levels. Because you have a con man, mm-hmm. you have, you know, issues of transgender mm-hmm. and gender equality and all of those things. You've got, is this a con still? The car. Yeah. And you feel conflicted about that even. So, so much interesting. The way that it's done is really cool. They do kind of these um, hand-drawn animations, which I know sounds oh. weird, but it's a really interesting way to do a documentary. It kind of uh-huh. keeps it flowing. Um, like I said, there's four episodes, and we flew through it. So That's exciting. I was waiting for it to finish, and yeah. I didn't know that it had finished. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, too, that it sounds like there's no easy answers, and that... no. That Liz Carmichael is a very complicated character. Yes. That and you even will like and not alternate. Post life, she opposed to this life, where after the trial and some of those other things, what you see happen to her, there's a lot more there. It's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. Hmm. Excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch that I, one. I picked, obviously, for this theme because people, things that would be world enders, you know, I mean, he. When he was Jerry Michael Dean, he went on the run for yeah, years. I mean, yeah. that how do you sustain a relationship or a family that way? Mm-hmm. But he did, you know. And then after he transitioned, he was a woman, Liz Carmichael. How she was dealing with so many things that are life-altering. And just, yeah. nope, this is just what it was. Like, her bravery in the face of a lot yeah. of this is admiring. Even if you believe that she was holding up the con, it's still an interesting take on it. So wow. I didn't really know much about it going in, but it was, yeah enjoyed it at first i thought it was about cars i'm like pass well then i heard the transgender angle i was like oh interesting yeah okay yeah okay yeah mm-hmm. it is i know well and i mean i didn't that, realize it was a con too yeah i'm in yeah it's an i like me con. con it's a good con it's really we like cults and we like cons yes we do and we like comeuppances well the three c's yes of broads and books you know, and in this case, you might have to question, did maybe her comeuppance expire? Like, maybe oh. you missed your window for comeuppance, oh. people. Oh, that's then, true. There is a window for I comeuppance. I feel like kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for some people, there's no window. It is all Always, your yeah. life. You need a comeuppance. You need it. Yeah, it's chasing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. I'm glad that we survived the uh, breach uh, from... <sighs> Podcast Ziggy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he seems to have, yeah, retreated for a while. We kind of had our own little apocalypse happening we during did. this. We did. We episode. were being, <laughs> We were be under attack. We were. Yeah. There was breaching. It was very close to my chair. I mm-hmm. just want to point out. At one point, uh, he, yeah, he stopped the recording and I he had a, a moment of like, oh, dear God, the cat just erased what we just did. Oh. And I still love you, but God, I hate you too. Yeah. He didn't erase. He didn't erase. Did. Thank it. goodness. No, because that was podcast gold. Oh, so <laughs> as anyone who's listened to this episode can tell, this was always some, but of also our big acai fueled gold. <laughs> yes, I would have been so mad at Ziggy. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he made some noises happen that I've never heard out of your computer. Yep, yep. It was it was alarming. It was. Uh, by walking across the keyboard and going straight for your glass of water. Yeah, so. that was our mistake. And it's my fault because I keep filling my water bottle to bring it and then I just leave it on the counter. Mm, well... So. See, I've learned in this house I can no longer have open glass, open containers of water, which has changed my lifestyle a little bit. Yeah, you know it's, that's difficult. But yeah, I, you know I'm I'm living, and I there's abuse happening, but I just have to get through it. Yeah, it uh, increasingly it's hard to mm-hmm. listen because it feels like I should be doing some sort of intervention, uh, but. You know, you keep going back. So. Well, and you know, you can't uh, you can't change a cat's behavior. No, you just gotta accept it. Right. Yeah. There's no yeah. training a cat. No, clearly. That's, no. No. Mm-mm. That's not going well. If you can. <laughs> no, it is not. He is not taken. And I'm it not didn't good take. at it. No, I'm not good at training. Yeah. And he's not good at listening. Yeah, so that's fair. There's that. That's yeah. fair. Hmm. I like it. Good but, news is that we'll be back next Wednesday. Yes, we will. Even if Ziggy tears down the whole studio, we'll rebuild I mean, it. We're going to keep going. Yeah, we Ziggy, keep you going. can't stop us. I you say can't that keep with, us down. I say that with the door closed, and yeah, you can't see yeah. me right now. But is he yeah, there? <laughs> is he behind me? No, he gave up. Tried to smash up. his face in that Tried tiny hole in the In the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.